It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal in the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. And it is good to be back. Of course, I took the week off after the draft, but I did not actually miss a show. I just moved all of last week's shows into the weekend so that they could cover the draft live. So go listen to all that if you were uh, missing last week and you want to know what I think about Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney and DJ Wanham and James Lynch and all the way down to Kenny Willickis and Kyle Hinton and everybody, go listen to those shows. But today, we have two things that we're going to get through. For one, we're going to get through the undrafted free agents. Of course, uh, that was pretty much all set by about Monday, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it since I was away. Uh, and I will go over all 12 of those guys, kind of their play style, I guess, kind of what led them to fall out of the draft, their odds of making it. We'll kind of talk about, you know, who's exciting and all that. And then we'll talk to Tyler Rowland of Locked on Titans, because this is actually a week of a, a whole bunch of crossovers. I'm going to cross over with some other teams, not necessarily in the division, but it'll be kind of like crossover Wednesday during the season, if you were there with me during that. Uh, and we'll just talk about teams that the Vikings are going to play this season and uh, the Locked on hosts for those teams and kind of get a little bit of a, a sense for what's going on around the league and kind of step out of our boundaries of Minnesota a little bit. But first, let's go deep, deep into the Minnesota roster, and we will talk about the undrafted free agents. Uh, there's a class of 12 of them, and I am going to start with the other uh, Blake, or th- with Blake Lynch. He's the other Lynch out of Baylor uh, that they got. Uh, of course, they got James Lynch in the draft. They got Blake Lynch. He played linebacker his senior year, but he's kind of had a weird go of it. Uh, so he played wide receiver at Baylor when he first got there as a freshman, and then he played wideout and cornerback, and he was kind of, uh, uh, you know, like a, a hybrid player, kind of like what Deion Sanders used to do in the day. And uh, then he moved to safety and then got bigger and moved to linebacker. And so it's been this like weird, you know, he's gone from this like finesse guy to like this physicality guy, but he only has a year and a half of linebacker experience. So, I mean, here's the thing. If he is somebody who was capable of playing wide receiver like two or three years ago, even if he's gained a bunch of weight, I'm sure he's a pretty fast linebacker. Of course, it's really difficult. There's not a lot of testing or pro days. If you didn't go to the combine and you didn't run that drill at the combine, we don't exactly have numbers to compare you across like other prospects. But if he's only been playing linebacker for a year and a half and he already was like one of the like leaders at Baylor, one of the the more interesting defensive players there, like that's unmoldable clay. And if he's a good enough athlete to play wide receiver and cornerback and linebacker, then I, I think that maybe, you know, let's see if Adam Zimmer can't get something out of this. Next up, let's talk about Brady Aiello. Uh, he's an offensive lineman out of Oregon, and you're going to see a theme here of a lot of versatility. Uh, he played tackle, he played guard, he played on the right side, he played on the left side, uh, and, and he, I think he showed well when he played, but he was kind of stuck behind guys for his whole career a lot, so he didn't actually get as many snaps as you would typically see 
in an offensive lineman here. Um, so he's kind of got that classic Vikings thing where he's light, maybe a little bit of a power issue, but he's good at the zone scheme. And so he knows the plays. And uh, here's a little tease. I actually talked to Brady Ayello the other day, and I have that uh, interview ready to go. And it's probably going to air sometime this week. We'll see uh, if uh, we can fit it in with all the other uh, division cross or the other locked on crossover stuff that we're doing. We'll do that. Uh, so either this week or next, at some point, I will give you that conversation with Brady Ayello. We'll get to know him a little bit better, but you can really think of him as a very classic kind of Vikings lineman uh, who's very eager to uh, get in camp. He really wants to get to work. I, I, I enjoyed talking to him a lot. Um, so next guy I'm going to talk about is Dan Chisena. Uh, he is a wide receiver out of Penn State. Um, so he's a uh, uh, six foot three, 202 pound track athlete. So there's your archetype right there. Big, tall, deep ball, go get a guy. Um, and, and I think he probably would have tested well if he had tested. And I think in undrafted free agency, you know, fill out your rosters with guys that kind of feel like, oh man, they really got hurt by not having a pro day. They really got hurt by what's been happening, you know, with, with COVID-19 and canceling everything. Um, you know, go find a person that maybe would have risen to the draftable ranks had they had that testing and maybe you can find a steal. Um, so he has decent releases, but he doesn't really know how to run a route. And I think that's really what's hurting him here because, you know, I mean, sometimes you get a guy who can't run a route, but they'll get drafted because they run, you know, four, three, eight, forty, 40 or something like that. So he didn't have that. But really the, the, the headline here, the lead that I shouldn't bury is that he needs to learn route running from scratch. And so that's how you do it. So this is a practice squad candidate kind of guy. If he can show out well enough, if he can maybe, you know, be a punt gunner, play on special teams enough, uh, that would be kind of his path to the roster. But otherwise, he just has to show enough improvement over the course of training camp, whatever training camp he's going to have. He just has to show enough to kind of justify being on the practice squad. And then maybe he gets another shot at it in 2021 with a more normal offseason. And maybe he can learn a thing or two in the meantime. Uh, moving on, there's David Moa. He's a defensive tackle out of Boise State. And for him, he, to me, he kind of feels like a, like a what could have been because he, so he played edge a bunch and then he moved inside a defensive tackle and he hadn't put on the pound. He, he played light, like at 280 or something like that. And that's something the Vikings do. Um, so, and the Vikings don't really care about either if you're a light defensive tackle, um, but he got, I think, like eight sacks or something like that. So he was pretty good when he actually moved inside the defensive tackle. Um, but they still wanted him to put on weight. And we didn't really ever get to see what it was like when he put on weight because he tears in a, an Achilles and he kind of gets a small sample there. So it's very much like, OK, if he is at weight and healthy at defensive tackle, we don't know what that David Moa is. And so I think that's the flyer the Vikings are taking by bringing him into camp is saying, listen, he's healthy now. Like the injuries are well, well uh, behind him, but we just haven't seen him play at weight and healthy. So if the Vikings can get him to weight and keep him healthy, let's see if maybe he can't find a way to crack the roster. The next guy I want to talk about is Jake Bargus. Uh, he's a tight end out of North Carolina. Um, so he didn't play a lot at UNC. He, his, his production was absolutely dreadful, like less than half a catch a game. So this one was like really, really confusing until Chris Thomason uh, tweeted. He was like a special teamer like uh, at UNC. Like this is not somebody that NFL teams should be looking at until Chris Thomason tweeted out, oh, hey, maybe they're going to move him to fullback. It's like, oh, OK, I get it. So he's I, I think he was more of a blocker. He's more of a workman guy. Everybody talks about how, you know, he's got the best attitude and he's, you know, a workhorse kind of professional type. The same character stuff we talked about when we were talking about all the draft picks, I think still applies here. So you're definitely trying to get like another fullback into camp. The Vikings always bring a fullback into camp to compete with the incumbent. Sometimes, uh, you know, they lose out like uh, with 
Kari Blasingham. Uh, sometimes they're CJ Ham and they beat the incumbent guy, and and you know you you just kind of have to make CJ Ham beat somebody every year. Of course, with the, the contract CJ Ham just signed, it's a lot less likely that he ends up unrostered. Um, but you know they still like to bring in somebody for competition, some sort of backup fullback onto the 90 man every year. So uh, last guy we're going to do, and then uh, we'll step away for a sec. Uh, Jake Lucina. He's an offensive lineman out of Augustana. Um, He's definitely like a local kid. And I think that matters because in this weird time when it was very limited, how much work you could do on these kids, I think you could do a little bit more locally, especially before the combine and stuff. You could have brought somebody in uh, to to an in-person interview earlier and, you know, not worried about like your top 30 or everything like that because he went to Augustana. Same. uh, He actually blocked for, I I don't actually think he was there at the same time as CJ Ham. CJ Ham's been in league for like four years. Uh, but yeah, he, he had the same school as CJ Ham. Um, he's definitely light for a center. He he actually almost played tight end uh, a little bit when he was at Augustana. So he uh, is is very light. He's, I think he's like 300 pounds is where he officially weighed. He might actually play below that. Um, his Actually, his dad was a Viking in like the late 90s, early aughts. So that's kind of cute. Uh, but his path to the roster, I think is going to be really, really tough because he's, he's, he's a light center that played at a D2 school. But these small school kids, I mean, sometimes there's a gem there that you just didn't realize you even had. Uh, so he's going to come in, try to compete, and maybe try to crack the practice squad or the roster. So I have, uh, that's six of them. I'm going to go do the other six. And of course, the interview with Locked on Titans coming up in just a second. This podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a kind of daily breakfast bar. You can compare it to like a Cliff Bar. But uh, they actually sent me a whole bunch for this. And I really find, I always found Cliff Bars like way too sweet, especially for the morning. Uh, that's just a personal thing. And these are really nice. They they taste like a candy bar. They taste like chocolate, but they don't taste like something that, you know, is going to get stuck in your teeth and give you a weird buzz for the whole morning, especially, you know, if you are, are using it as like a breakfast substitute, which I know a lot of people do with like Cliff Bars. Um, it has 16 amazing flavors. Uh, there are eight chocolate and nut flavors. There are eight chocolate and nut free flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they're really good for you. Uh, they're, they're good for if you're trying to lose weight and, you know, you want to indulge in a delicious treat. This is exactly the kind of guilt-free thing you can sink your teeth into. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can buy them there. You can order them. They'll be delivered directly to your door. And when you check out, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. Promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. See from, from Jordan Fair, that would be his most likely path to the roster. And then you hope you can at least get on the roster or at least try to crack the practice squad. And then you get a year of NFL coaching and you can take another shot at this in 2021. Uh, so Miles Dorn is next cornerback out of North Carolina. Uh, Dane Brugler notes that he's very like active. He has a, a very aggressive style. He gets a bunch of pass breakups. Um, his athleticism is leaves a little bit to be desired. And there's a knee injury you gotta worry about here. Um, and he kind of comes in hot again. He's very aggressive, and so he actually leaves his feet, misses some tackles. Kind of the thing you saw with like Anderson Deho. Um, but hey, if if the knee is okay and you can learn, you can teach him to like settle down. You might have a backup. But that is kind of a lot of work to do for a backup, which is why he didn't get drafted. Um, But, you know, hey, 
if he's healthy and if he learns and he can like settle down a little bit, like that's a guy that's closer to being a rosterable, rosterable cornerback than a lot of the other guys who, who fell out of the draft. Uh, next up is Nakia Griffin Stewart. He is a tight end out of Pittsburgh. And uh, he, this is a guy that was like, kind of hard to find uh, more information about. So he started at Rutgers and then he transfers to Pitt. And production wise, he wasn't like a crazy option. He, he you know, if, if you read the like bios that the schools put out and these schools are trying to write the most like glowing biased bios, you know, hey, you know, look at all these accolades and all these things he did. And the sentences on there are not like they're like caught a game in the third quarter against Michigan State, like or caught a pass in the third quarter against Michigan State. And it's like if he catches a pass, it's noteworthy. And that to me is tells me that he's yeah, I mean, and his production profile matches up with that. Like his production was not great at, at Rutgers or at Pitt. Um, but hey, he's 6'5", he's 252, and people thought if he would have run at like a pro day, he would have run like a sub 5 second 40, which is good for a tight end. So you're kind of taking a shot in the dark on some measurables here, I think. Um, but hey, I mean, guys like Brandon Dillon had made the roster before, and, and this is going to be competition for him, um, and we'll see. It, it seems like he's somebody who, again, he has a lot of pro-style experience playing at Rutgers and at Pittsburgh. Those are pro-style off- offenses that give him, uh, you know, the the experience to at least be able to transition a little bit better, and so give him that and a decent speed and, and you know, 6'5 frame, and hey, you got a shot to make something happen and maybe crack the roster as the fourth tight end and knock Brandon Dillon off or something like that. That's going to kind of be his path to the roster or, you know, go uh, excel on a on a special teams unit and be a good tackler or or be a good, you know, pump blocker or whatever. And that can kind of also be a, a path to the roster. Uh, so moving on, you have Neville Clark. He's a corner out of Central Florida. Uh, he is a, a very like long armed physical man corner, and he actually had a lot of production at UCF. He had a bunch of uh, pass breakups. He he was another kind of ball hawk type that really had a nose for the football and really broke on things. Um, but he's really uh, like upright and uncontrolled. So there's kind of this lankiness to him where he you know you're you're supposed to kind of sit a little bit, keep your shoulders down, keep your hips kind of planted, and as a cornerback and uh, he wasn't as good at that he kind of backpedaled upright and that and and that gave him a lack of control and that gave him really inefficient movements and and then you can kind of generate separation against that so you kind of need to build a lot of that that really fundamental technique from the ground up but here's the thing the Vikings spent like a hundred k on this kid so they clearly think he can make the roster and honestly in this group who are you gotta beat out like Chris Boyd like I think you probably can if you're a good enough corner coming out as a rookie even as an undrafted free agent um so the next guy I'm gonna talk about is Tyler Higby uh he was an offensive lineman at Michigan State and I think the draw of him is that he played all five positions he was a starting left tackle most recently um and it's kind of an open group there on the interior I, I think he told reporters after the after he was signed that he prefers the interior um, but I mean, I don't know, that's kind of an open group. So anything can happen with that, that interior offensive line group, right? Who you got to beat out like Brett Jones, like sure. Um, and I, I, so I think that there's definitely a, a potential path to the roster there, but this is again, you know, a, the third, fourth team kind of guy. Um, but I think the draw of him is that you can move him to any of the positions. So pick whichever position, right guard, left tackle, whatever you think is the weakest top to bottom, put him in there and, and hope that you kind of have something there. And he played at a big school. They trust the Michigan state coaching. So I, I think that they know that they can get somebody. And so I've saved the most exciting guy for that for last. This is the guy that everybody said, you know, should have been drafted. The kind of, this is the guy, I mean, the, they, they talk about Courtney Davis, uh, the wide receiver out of 
Texas A&M the same way that they talked about like Holton Hill and Hercules Mata'afa when they were undrafted free agents. It was like, holy crap, how did this guy fall out of the draft? Um, and, and everybody's like really, really excited about him. So here's what I, why I think he fell out of the draft. And I actually do kind of agree that I, I think he should have fallen out of the draft, out of the draft. He's fast and big. And sometimes that's enough to get you drafted. He ran a good 40. He's got good measurables, um, but he couldn't win off of the line. So Texas A&M, and I think Texas A&M is stupid for doing this, whoever's coaching over there, uh, they relegated him to the slot and he never got to be a burner. Now, if you line somebody up in the slot, you can run them deep. Every NFL team has deep routes come out of the slot, seam routes and stuff. Drew Brees is the god of this. Sean Payton does it all the time. So, like, you can have slot players go deep. You know, you don't just, they don't have to just be a bubble screen Percy Harvin guy. But he never was a burner at, at AM. So he was super, super unproductive. And that lack of production, I think, you know, that, that takes you out of the draft for me because you don't actually get to see, all right, yeah, he's fast and he's big, but he couldn't win off the line. For me, I, I kind of think that Courtney Davis is what you're worried about. Justin Jefferson is going to be. If Justin Jefferson turns out to be a total bust, it's going to kind of look like Courtney Davis. And where I think you probably could put Justin Jefferson on the outside and it would be fine, you know, have him line up off the line of scrimmage or or whatever, uh, you know, or just teach him how to beat press. Like, I, I think with him, it's a fairly easy thing to fix. With Courtney Davis, I don't think it's as easy to fix. And to hide him in the slot and then not send him deep, I think is a huge mistake. Now, the Vikings could, if he makes the team, you know, have him go be deep, go just run a clear out route and go, uh, go be fast and make somebody run with you. And sometimes that's all the play call needs. But that's going to be the, the problem with him. He can run a route and, and, you know, he can generate separation and he's got all the size and measurables and stuff. But if he can get off the, the line of scrimmage, then you might have like an actual productive wide receiver. So there's your 12 undrafted free agents. I ripped through them really, really fast. We're going to go into all of these guys and all of the newish Vikings. Uh, there's, I think, like 28 Vikings who have been here for more than two years. And we're going to go over everybody else all the way down to every man on the, the all the way down to the long snapper, all the way up to new, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney. We're going to go over all of that over the course of this summer. But first, I got to talk to Tyler Rowland. We're going to talk about the Titans. I went on his show and I talked about the Vikings too. I, I mentioned that at the end. Uh, so if you want to hear all of that, you want to hear what people are asking about the Vikings. I don't know. I kind of find that interesting. Head on over to Locked on Titans and, and listen to the episode there. Uh, but without further ado, uh, I, when I come back, there's going to be an interview with Tyler Rowland. So stick around of Locked on Titans. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Okay, I am here, Luke Braun with Locked On Vikings. I'm here with Tyler Rowland, Locked On Titans. What's going on, Tyler? You know, just uh, in, enjoying uh, the the home life, obviously, that most of us have, have been doing for quite some time, but it's been a, a good weekend and uh, look forward to our conversation, talking some football with you, Luke. 
Yeah, what even are pants? <laughs> At this point, who needs them? Yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to start this off. I'm just going to ask you a few questions about the Titans. Obviously, the Vikings and Titans are going to play at some point this year. We'll probably find out soon-ish. I don't know actually when. I think they just postponed the schedule release. Uh, But we'll find out soon-ish when they actually play. But uh, this team, I think uh, the Titans are coming to Minnesota this year. So I guess our teams kind of have a couple of interesting parallels. Obviously, the way that 2019 went, um, you know, six seeds that kind of uh, went a lot further than they were supposed to, kind of pulled off the comeback thing. They run very, very similar offenses. Um, So I guess one of my questions for you is with Derrick Henry, because we also have Dalvin Cook here. So we both kind of have this idea of, you know, you extended your guy. We're talking about it. Uh, So tell me about the Derrick Henry extension and, and his role on the offense. And just like, what's the vibe there when it comes to like extending a running back? Because I know that's like a whole thing. Well, obviously there's a, a philosophical debate waging online at all times about uh, how to treat running backs and contract situations. And obviously for the Titans, it's a precarious situation because all of the data and all of the examples would point to not extending a running back long-term. And right now, obviously the Titans have Derrick Henry on the franchise tag and they're working on an extension and you know that they have until July 15th, the deadline to get an extension done for this year. And while like I said, most of the data and examples that we have of, of you know, the, the highest paid running backs recently that you could point to would tell you not to do that. Derrick Henry feels like a different kind of situation. Um, the physical specimen that he is combined with his off the field work ethic, it kind of makes him a little bit different than some of the previous examples that we have seen recently. So I would expect the Titans to extend Derrick Henry long-term by the deadline. Um, And if not, then I would understand because of the examples that we meant, but he is the foundation of the offense. And while you do need Ryan Tannehill and his accomplishments last season and his impact on the team is sold short by most in the media, it seems, because most people just watched the Titans in the playoffs and saw Derrick Henry carry the team. But Tannehill is, is his partner in crime there, and they need each other to really take this offense to where it needs to be for them to build upon last season. So while that extension for Derrick Henry is very important and, you know, until July 15th, there's still a possibility there, but having Tannehill back in the fold too is an important extension of its own. So right now I would say most people want Derrick Henry back as do I, but I mean, I can understand if the Titans decide to maybe play it out one more year on the franchise tag. I could definitely see that. Uh, and, you know, the Vikings have a guy on the franchise tag, too. And and it's the same conversation. Do you extend him? Do you trade him? What do you do? Um, I, I You brought up Ryan Tannehill, though. And that's kind of the other thing I'm curious about with the Titans, because, I mean, this obviously this like reclamation project. He seemed to be, you know, have his foot halfway out of the door to the league. And now he's back and he takes over for Marcus Mariota. Uh, and, and he actually, you know, kind of gives the like injects some life into the franchise in that back half. And, you know, you have this wide zone scheme that the Titans are running over there. Um, and of course, I, I don't know what offensive line you guys have, though. That's what I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested in that if we have time. But I, I really want to talk about uh, Ryan Tannehill and, you know, analytics crowd absolutely loves the performance he put in. And it's a very like sustainable way with completion percentage over expectation, which is basically did you complete 
passes more often than passes that are that hard are completed. It's a little bit more sophisticated than completion percentage, but I think it's still pretty intuitive. You know, if you complete a whole bunch of deep passes, that probably means you're pretty good at this, but there's still a lot of that bootleg, a lot of that wide zone. Um, so I, I guess I would love to know, I mean, how is that kind of uh, configuration coming along? I mean, is Ryan Tannehill the long-term guy for the Tennessee Titans, or is this something where you're starting to look up, you know, the the quarterbacks in the next couple of draft classes? Or were you talking about maybe like Javis Winston, maybe like Cam Newton to come in and compete? Or is Ryan Tannehill like the guy, let's do it, 10 years? Well, I think at this moment in time, it's obvious that the way that the organ the Titans organization has spoken about Tannehill, how he has spoken about the team, that bringing in somebody like a, a Cam Newton or um, you know any kind of veteran guy to really compete for the starting position. I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, that's what we did last year with Marcus and Tannehill, and the Titans found Tannehill. So I, I don't see them bringing in a, a veteran to actually compete for the starting position. Now, I think Tannehill is 31, and you're right, it is a bit of a reclamation project, so uh, maybe a little bit of lightning in a bottle there. So I think next year the Titans would consider – uh, a, a quarterback in the middle rounds. Um, maybe if things go poorly with Tannehill this year, they would consider an early quarterback. But right now, I just don't think that's the plan. I think they believe in Tannehill. And the reason for that is uh, what you're talking about with our wide zone run scheme and what Tannehill was asked to do in Miami with Adam Gase. Gase had a a, a pocket-centric uh, role for his quarterback. Him, yeah. yeah, you know, all those short passes to – uh, Jarvis Landry, he he almost ran uh, like a quick passing West Coast scheme, and Tannehill didn't get to utilize his athleticism enough or his strong arm. And with the Titans, what they're asking him to do is on those bootlegs, use his athleticism, which he was a former wide receiver in college. So why would you want to hinder that or, or force him to stay in the pocket so you can use that wide zone scheme with some of that bootleg action that you see, you know, Vikings fans would know Kirk Cousins is very good at. Uh, I think Tannehill is a little bit better of an athlete, but they have a, a similar skill set there. So, you know, utilizing Tannehill in a different way than he was utilized in Miami, I think really unlocked his potential. And while you do have to be careful of some regression based on his performance and based on what we know from his career before, I think it's safe to say that Ryan Tannehill is still going to be a, a good enough quarterback to take the Titans where they need to go at the next level based on the scheme that they put him in. So one last thing, uh, and then we can kind of flip sides here. Um, uh, but so one last question. I know that, you know, Jarrell Casey for the longest time was really like the face of that defense. And he was really like a kind of face of the franchise, beloved there forever kind of player. So he gets traded away. Who is the face of the defense? What's the identity of the defense now? Uh, you know, who, who kind of steps in and fills that role? Well, I think that the the number one player that's going to step into that role is safety Kevin Byard. Uh, Byard's one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. He was the highest paid safety when he got his extension not too long ago. Uh, he's been an interception leader in the NFL basically every season of his career outside of his rookie season. He's had, I believe, the most interceptions in the NFL since he came into the league as a rookie. 
And uh, he is not only just a fantastic player, but if you watch his interviews, you see his body language, you see his pregame conversations with his teammates. He's he's a real one. Uh, he's a leader. He's a guy who's only focused on football. He's not champagneing and campaigning uh, out on the town or worried about things like that. It's pretty obvious from the way he talks. He's driven to be the best football player possible. And as a, a small school guy from Middle Tennessee State, a local kid, he's just everything that the Titans could ever hope for. Uh, he's one of my favorite players personally on the team for his demeanor, uh, his preparation, all the, all the things that he puts into the game. You can see it on a consistent basis. Whenever the Titans are down in the dumps, he's always the guy that makes the play. And and he's grown from not only being a great player and an all-pro, but being to a, a, a leader. Same thing with Derrick Henry, as the Titans have kind of changed from the Marcus Mariota, uh, Wesley Woodyard, Jarrell Casey, Delaney Walker-led core to this new core with Tannehill and Derrick Henry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byard. I, I think those those are the names on defense there. Simmons, who is going to take over the three-technique role for Jarrell Casey, who was an impact player as a rookie coming off an ACL tear last year. And then Kevin Byard, who's been a consistent all-pro and one of the best players in the league at safety. Those two guys are going to step up and become more more of a, a leadership role, at, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well. So it's kind of a transition period in terms of the core leaders for this Titans team. But I, I have faith that based on their talent and their personalities, it's going to take this Titans team to the next level. Yeah, it feels like a really exciting time. And I think that's kind of what you get when you draft really well consistently. And I think the Titans have done that. I really like the drafts they've had lately. Well, ultimately, uh, this really right down to John Robinson. And the gen- having a great general manager in the NFL is is probably the best blessing that you can have. And having yeah, John Robinson yeah. take over this team in 2016, it, it, it totally changed the franchise from, from top to bottom. So got to give the credit where it's due there. Absolutely. Yeah, it starts at the top. So that's all I have for you. I know you have some stuff for me that we're going to do on your show, um, but that's going to be where the Vikings audience uh, is going to dip out, though. If you guys want to hear us talk a little bit more about the Vikings, you can head over to Locked on Titans and listen to that spot here. So that is all going to be coming right up. And for Tyler Rowland, I am Luke Braun for Locked on Vikings. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.